Day 7. Year 100 of the Dawn. Half the Sky. No less than the trees and the stars. We have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Max Aramon, Desiderata. You are the garden of enchantments, my sister. You are a garden of spices. When I think of a woman, I think of a garden of flowers blooming, of fragrance blowing through the breeze. Man was formed. Woman was fashioned. We can be so artful, so affectionate, so sensual, so warm, so gentle. A lovely flower, yes, with feelings, a depth of soul blossoming inside of us. A woman's smile can be so tender, it can melt the hardest of hearts. A woman can be wise. She can plant a vineyard, care for a baby, tend the garden of her family, as well as lead a country or bring about a revolution. I, as a woman, celebrate women. My daughters, you are the most beautiful creatures of all of God's creation. A woman is a garden who deserves to be nurtured, so she can nurture. She deserves to be loved, so she can love even better. She deserves to be provided for so she can concentrate on caring for her family. She deserves to be praised so she can praise others more freely. All of this any woman deserves, for she was made by the hand of God. Each and every woman is intricately and wondrously made. God knit you together in his womb. I have often contemplated in my eternal thoughts that float in and out of my mind that later on, long after I have walked on the earth, when God's plan brings forth a savior of the world in the form of a man, that he will use a man to die, because perhaps it will be more noble for a man to die. In my opinion, if Jesus would come to earth thousands of years from now as a woman, she might resolve to die without much of a struggle women being so apt to sacrifice self for others. Okay, this might seem biased, but it's just my opinion. It's my diary, so I can say what I want. He does choose a woman to birth his son, so, in doing that, he uses both male and female to redeem his earth, thus fulfilling the curse for the serpent, that the seed of a woman will crush it for good. Oh well. I think I'm getting too out there, and I don't want you to lose my stream of thought. I want you to know that I am in no way implying that God is only or primarily a woman. I believe in the Father God. What I am saying is that, in the beginning, the first name for God was Elohim. In form, the world is a masculine plural of a form that looks feminine in the singular, Eloha. I venture to say that an Elohim is the plurality of God, as mother and father, perfect parent, savior, and spirit. This makes sense to me. I hope it does to you, too. I don't believe God, who created the heavens and earth, is, was, or ever could be a goddess. But I do believe that in him dwells the nurturing spirit of a mother. Okay. Woo! Where was I? I will get back in the water and wade on to more reasoning in my reflection.
Women seem to have this nature of nurture and seem to have this innate ability to sacrifice self for the good of others. Perhaps it goes back to the womb again. The organ itself might be equipped with this mechanism, or it might give off rays of servanthood to the woman's brain. I really don't know. Many years after this diary, there will be some studies to back it up. Done at Yale University by Pil Young Kim, a developmental psychologist. Small but significant increases in the volume of gray matter in the brain will be discovered in a new mother after a baby is born. The researchers observed increases in gray matter in brain areas such as the hypothalamus, amygdala, parietal lobe, and prefrontal cortex. These regions are responsible for emotion, reasoning and judgment, the senses, and reward behavior. I think about the wise kings that will journey from the east, following the star, to bring the gifts of frankincense and myrrh to the baby Jesus. If they are wise women, they will bring practical gifts like diapers and wipes, and they might arrive early to help deliver the baby. I know, you might have heard this somewhere, and unfortunately, in that day, a woman will most likely not be allowed to travel alone or even with other women without a man. But doesn't it make perfect sense? Women are romantic and practical. Women are able to multitask. I am the first Proverbs 31 woman. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts in her so that he will have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She shears a sheep and works willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goes not out at night. She lays her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow, for her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. She makes fine linen, sells it, and delivers garments to the merchant. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Wouldn't that be great if the governing ordinance of every land would be the law of kindness? If women ruled the nations, perhaps the law of kindness would be the decree that administered the peoples of the earth. The Proverbs 31 woman goes on to even more greatness. She looks well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but you have excelled above all of them. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears God shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. A woman, to me, reminds me of a tree with a nest. She is the tree and the nest. If her roots grow deep in the soil of the spirit, she can position her trunk with strength and stability. Her arms, 
like living branches, can bear the fruit of love, encouragement, kindness, and compassion. Her breast may be a nest of love and nourishment for those around her. A garden enclosed is my sister, a spring, a fountain. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, camphire with spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh, and aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams. Awake, O north wind, and come, south wind, blow upon my garden, so that spices may flow out. Song of Song Women at their best can offer so much healing from their garden. A woman is the picture of the garden. Women who are encouraged and allowed to be who they are, who are respected as the physically weaker vessel, but also as a dynamo of emotional and mental strength, can grow strong and blossom, providing resting and nesting places for not only her offspring, but for others. Her tree of inspiration can also be a shelter of wisdom that fosters reassurance and promotes enthusiasm. Wisdom will often be spoken of as a woman. Wisdom builds her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has prepared the food. She has mingled her wine. She has burnished her table. She has sent forth her maidens. She cries from the highest places of the city, Whoever is simple, let them turn in here. As for him that wants understanding, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mingled. Forsake the foolish, and live, and go in the way of understanding. Proverbs, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. These are the magnificent portrayals of a woman's nature. As hath the sky, we were intended to nourish the children, the people of the earth, but I've often thought about the oppression of women that will come about over time and continue throughout all generations. Why is it that my oppressed female descendants won't revolt? If half of the humans on earth will be women, why won't they have a revolution to make it herstory instead of only history? Women will certainly have the numbers to do so. Women have the smarts. We all know that. Why won't women overthrow the male population? oppress them instead of letting them oppress us. I wonder, if we did, what would happen? And then, of course, we wouldn't, because as we were out fighting our revolution, there would be no one guarding the children, and we could not bear it in our hearts. A normal, healthy woman will do anything to guard and protect her children. Most likely, the men we would be fighting against would not give up and go protect the children. No, they might even oppress the children and make them fight for their side. Okay, now all men are getting mad at me. I can feel it. Well, I'm not talking about all men. I'm talking about some percentage of the adult male population. I don't know what percentage. It's just a guess. If one-third of the women's population, over time, is being abused— this will be a statistic in the 21st century. It might make sense that I'm talking about one-third of the men. But who am I to speculate? 
Maybe 5% of the males in the world seem to think it's okay to beat their wives, and maybe they have several wives to beat. Or maybe they beat their mothers, their daughters, or their sisters, too. It's all too awful to think about. That over the generations, one out of every three women will be abused. And that even in a far future modern world, a 70-year-old can take a 15-year-old for his wife. Or a child of mine can be sold by her parents into a marriage of slavery to a much older man who could have relations with her that wreak havoc with her female parts, causing her pain and shame. This is so pitiful to me. A discussion came up the other day regarding my future daughters. What if a woman is in a culture where it is socially acceptable to be beaten by their spouse? Won't this woman accept this as normal for their culture? I responded, Well, yes, but that doesn't mean it is right. A person knows when something is wrong, both the perpetrator and the victim, whether or not it is the cultural or religious norm. I shudder at the thought and wish that it will not be so. I hope that all men in the world to come, my future sons, would help care for their children and protect and cherish their wives. I wish it will be as such, but I know it will not be. There must be judgment for this. I'm hoping, speculating. I believe in my deepest heart that one cannot ultimately get away with oppressing another human being. It's so odd to me, anyway, why anyone would oppress, repress, or dominate another. Isn't it all hard enough as it is? Childbearing, working, struggling for survival against the elements, fighting for position, for possession— why does someone want to control another person? It's all so sick. If women are loved, they can actually do a lot more work. Put that into a mathematical equation. Women blossom when they are loved. Oh, to be in the garden of love. I talked about the garden of perfection and about a woman as a garden. Another garden we, as women, possess even if we don't have pleasant surroundings or a gentle existence, is the garden of our minds. I thank God that we have our dreams and imaginations and that we have memories stored in our thoughts. When the worst of the worst of the worst is happening, and you know, or can only imagine, what I mean, how women can be violated. Of course, this would never happen before the fall. I believe there are things we will never understand on this earth and that there is an ultimate judgment for sin and a redemption for those hurt by sin, made by a loving God. But I would like to ask God why he made our bodies so that we cannot easily be the perpetrator, but can often be the victim. Of course, men can be victims too. It's the innate sex drive which God placed in men to procreate and populate the earth that after the fall sometimes might get warped into a control issue. But somehow, it might be just a joke on both men and women, like a vicious circle, a cycle of procreation, which, of course, wouldn't be happening if we were back in the garden. I do believe that God is in control and ultimately will work things out for the good but it will get crazy with billions of people inhabiting an ever-giving, yet someday exhausted planet. Back to the garden we have in our mind. 
This is a garden that we, as women, are free to go to whenever we want. No one can take this garden away. Our soul, also, is a garden where we are free to roam without anyone being able to touch it or take it away. How rich, then, we are as women. We have an imagination that cannot be touched by anyone. We can live in our daydream when we are in times of distress. Countless women throughout humanity have lived and will live in their minds, in their dreams, in their own soul's gardens. A woman can enter this garden no matter what her surroundings may be. Alas, what can I say? I actually knew the garden. I tasted it. I dwelt in paradise. I cannot give this experience to my children. I blew it. I know, I know. You don't have to remind me. But I can convey this dream to my daughters, and perhaps to some of my sons, especially my daughters. Somehow we know of this paradise in our minds, and we go there to find peace and comfort in times of oppression. That is just a teeny glimpse of the garden. There is much more. But think about it. A person can violate your body, but not your mind or your heart or your soul. You are forever yours. You are forever God's. There will be justice. I promise. I know it. I know it with every fiber of my being that God will not leave the wicked of the earth unpunished. It is important to know that God did not intend for you to be hurt. He intended for you to dwell in the perfect, peaceful existence of the garden. Throughout time, there will be persons who will own another person or control another person. There will be slavery and many other evils. When someone thinks a woman or man or child is their property, that can be controlled or hurt for any whim or reason, then I tremble for their souls, really. One might argue with me depending on the culture they live in, but aren't we all citizens of a culture of human decency with a common rule? To treat a person as you yourself would want to be treated? Wouldn't living by this golden rule bring life, love, and happiness to all? By doing this, wouldn't we live in a greater common culture which would make us citizens of heaven? Even if there were no heaven, wouldn't it make it a better earth to dwell on? I, as the first woman, do believe in eternity. It is written in my heart. Death will come to all people, except for my future son Enoch, who will walk with God, and Elijah, who will be taken up in a chariot of fire. Cool. And of course, Jesus, who will embrace and defeat death and then will resurrect and rise to heaven right in front of his followers. For the rest of us, death is the great equalizer, along with judgment for our sins. We are all free souls, free moral agents. We each have choices. Our souls will live forever in one place or another. But what do I know? I'm just Eve. I feel sorry for them, really. The abusers. They will be so blind. There will be justice. And thankfully, it will not be mine to give. I don't feel vengeful. 
Let vengeance be from God alone. I simply feel a great fear of God for them. There will be payment due at the end of the age. They are making their bed of eternal suffering as they inflict suffering on others. Eternity is a long time. I am sorry, my daughters, that distress entered into the world. Shame on me. Shame on Adam. Shame on everyone who has bitten the forbidden fruit ever since. There is one who will suffer for you, the perfect man, the second Adam, who will suffer and die for your shame and your sins. He will redeem you and buy you back into the new garden, and this garden will be forever and ever. The truth, my daughters, will overcome the lie. This God-man will forever redeem you from the foe, the serpent and his wicked lies. His blessing was also written into the curse. He shall bruise the serpent's head. The garden of eternity you are going to is much better than the garden I came from, much better than any garden you have ever imagined in your mind. Half the sky can find redemption in the eternal garden of Eden. The entrance to this garden can be found in your heart. If we have no peace, we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Mother Teresa